Good morning. It is Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022, Tuesday to the extreme. And this is DC signal to noise. Since Jim and I last checked in, global tensions have ebbed and flowed with Russia still poised to invade Ukraine and Canadian protests against vaccination mandates continue, although the Canadian government is cracking down on protests inside of Ottawa. USDA has decided to launch an investigation into the rise in input costs for 2022. All that while new crop corn has reached six bucks this morning. November soybeans have cleared 14 and a half bucks. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory. That is pro farmer policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Good morning, Jim. Good morning from D.C., where it's going to be 60 degrees today. I know the Midwest is having some ice conditions and cold temps, Chip. Yeah, yeah it's kind of an ugly day out there for a lot of us in the middle of the middle of the country. No, no doubt about it. Jim, I would like to say that we're close to being able to kick off our uh, our weekly conversations with a little baseball chatter again, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Well, like Washington, the two sides keep talking and talking and, and talking. talking. So yeah. it looks like a mini delay, but uh, there's a lot of money involved there, Chip, as you well know. So let's get the ball games going. Certainly is. Certainly is. Okay. Let's start with the latest developments in Russia. President Putin says Russia now recognizes the independence of two pro-Russian regions in Ukraine. But based on his address to the Russian people yesterday, Jim, it sure looks like he wants all of Ukraine back under Russian rule. Not only all of Ukraine, but he wants to get as much of the old Soviet Union back in place. Uh, that's that's ominous, Chip. There's no other way to read this. And his initial recognition of the separatist regions in uh, eastern Ukraine is just one act. Uh, this is just starting, just starting. Right. So what kind of an ex- uh, a reaction would you expect from, well, let's start with Europe. Well, G- Germany announced that they're going to stop the certification of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. That's an effective uh, sanction. Uh, the U.S. Uh, surprised some people by at least their initial uh, announcements uh, quite weak, limiting them to the you know breakout uh, uh, areas uh, of Ukraine. But there's supposed to be another administration announcement today on on further sanctions, Chip. But he's got lawmakers. You know, Biden has lawmakers from both political parties, some of whom are his uh, good backers, saying the U.S. needs to do a lot more to uh, get Putin's attention. You know, it was one of the interesting, well, there were several interesting comments from Russian President Putin yesterday, but he said at one point, we don't have a border with Ukraine. We have a a border with America because of the westernization of that country. Uh, Yes. And with some of the Baltic states being in NATO. uh, Yeah. and, and Putin gave a long, uh, very uh, almost like a repeat of his July treaty on uh, Ukraine is really Russia. So he, he is he, he is getting uh, increasingly aggressive here. And and when you follow I'm a history major a long time ago in college. And this is just but a first step of several steps to unfold. So, you know, this could get pretty heady, Jeff. Okay, from a markets perspective, uh, we've got some strength in the grain markets this morning. I think that's tied to it. The um, the crude oil market is also trading to the upside. I think that's probably tied to it. And the 
the impressive thing is, Jim, they went home Friday on the long side or on the buy side of the markets in, in, in anticipation that something would happen over the three-day weekend. And there was enough in the three-day weekend that we've got some follow-through buying going on today. Yeah, absolutely. Especially the energy markets, because yep. Europe, I mean, there are several times uh, the significance because of, of their, 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 their counting on uh, Russia, what, 30 to 40 percent of their energy needs. Uh, so if you think prices are high here for energy, just just look at European prices on the commodity side of uh, wheat, uh, corn, yep. sunflower oil, Ukraine exports uh, around 75 percent of the all the world exports of sunflower oil. So I haven't even checked that market today yet, but you're seeing what we have known, have we, what we expected for weeks, that if Russia went into Ukraine at, at, for, at any definition that you want to put on it, uh, you, you know, those commodities would spike and it looks like wheat is. Okay. What other signals have you seen on this, Jim? Is, is, is there going to be military action? Well, Russia, uh, Putin is a strategy, he's a chess maker, and he's trying to goad uh, Ukraine uh, into the separatist regions. And that, pull, that would pull his troops away from Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. So I think that's his, his strategy, but he's trying to really uh, put up the, 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 you know, the pressure to make the Ukrainian president act. That has not been the case right now. So we're just waiting. And I also think that Putin, no, uh, Putin uh, is looking at what's the reaction here. He has seen Germany's now, which is relatively strong for Germany uh, to, to uh, you know, you know, no longer you know, certify that pipeline. The right. U.S., he's got the U.S., it looks like in an initial box. I mean, that's how, how he did what he did. Uh, he I, I, he um, expertly thought that there would be a d debate within the Biden White House on what is the true definition of invasion, because uh, Russia has controlled these two uh, separatist regions since 2014, or shortly after uh, 2014. Right, right. Okay. I think we probably better move on. We've got a lot more ground to cover here. Sure, uh, sure. Congress is out until the end of the month. When they return, they've still got the budget waiting for them. Uh, yes, and uh, they've got until March the 11th, the latest continuing resolution. They've had about a half a year, well, well over a half a year. We're, we're almost a half a year into the fiscal year. So that's that's just a, almost a sin in Washington that, that they can't get their act together. But it looks like the March 11th date, they will have a bona fide budget of the 12 uh, of the 12 different appropriation bills. Included in that, uh, you know, Chip, is the authorization for mandatory livestock price reporting. It's yep. been extended uh, through March the 11th, and that will be part of the package. It will be interesting to see if the White House wants to add on some additional COVID aid for restaurants and, and other needed uh, uh, industries, maybe airlines and things like that. And they might uh, put in some money for uh, uh, Ukraine, both militarily and uh, um, um, financial assistance. So that'll just add to the pressure to get this thing through. Yeah, it, it certainly will. And there's yeah, the another item that, that the House, at least, is going to be taking up 
even though the build back better plan has been called dead now they brought part of it back in the competes act they're going to continue to try to build bring back those elements of the build back better plan aren't they no doubt about it. It'll be called something differently, yep. probably. Senator Joe Manchin, the centrist from West Virginia, who almost single-handedly killed the Build Back Better because of inflation concerns. And now his argument, he should have been part of the Federal Reserve because he saw inflation coming <laughs> well before our anemic Federal Reserve uh, uh, you know, saw it, Chip. Yep. Uh, but it looks to me the Democrats won't settle for zero under BBB or whatever it's called. A big component of this coming package will be climate change, uh, carbon mitigation programs. And uh, that's not necessarily bad for agriculture. USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack keeps saying the phrase, this could be the next revenue stream for agriculture. We have to see details. They've got a billion dollar pilot projects, you know, going on. I've never seen a billion dollar project program, but that's underway. Uh, and Vilsack also said that will include legacy uh, in agriculture. Yep. Those farmers who uh, before it was popular did no-till farming, et cetera. So at bottom, we're going to have a $400 billion or more package for climate change. And that funding is coming from the Commodity Credit Corporation. There's going to be some pushback on using those CCC funds for this. There has already been pushback by a number of Senate and House Ag Republicans. Uh, they're saying they believe they do not have the authority. So uh, you could see this work out eventually in Congress, Chip, with a uh, authorization request for additional funding for the Commodity Credit Corporation. Remember a year or so ago, the Farm Bureau proposed a rather large increase in, in maximum Commodity Credit Corporation borrowing authority. Vilsack months ago, tried to maneuver on this by saying uh, the, the things he's doing on carbon mitigation program is a commodity program. Right. That gets him around. Now, remember, you know, Vilsack's a lawyer. He thinks that gets him around any legalese relative to CCC. But the Republicans are saying uh, they don't see in the language authorization that uh, carbon mitigation or climate change is a commodity program. Yeah, it's going to have to be more than $5 or even $25 an acre, an acre in payments to be considered some sort of a revenue stream. I think that the, the real opportunity, the real financial opportunity is going to be cutting some of these input costs again. If, if we get more from each pass across the field and do less to disturb the soil, it it there may be enough on the savings side that it that that it would provide some incentive but five to 25 bucks an acre jim i i don't know if that's going to attract a lot into the carbon markets or not it will not look to europe chip look how they've tried to price their carbon consistently they have increased the yeah. offer so i think we're going to go the the same way 
uh, and it's going to be like an elevator approach going up, not down. Yeah. And uh, uh, this will take a while to build, but I don't want to get too complex here. But uh, the for carbon mitigation, that will b- b- become a potential big player in the oilseed market relative to sustainable aviation fuel, SAF. That's not going to happen overnight, but airlines are going to need a credit and they can use the coming uh, you know, sustainable aviation fuel that is driving, uh, as you well know, the soybean processing development. What I think you said the other day on AgriTalk, nine new uh, you, you know, soybean processing facilities? At least, yeah. Wow. Yep. And, and they cost 250 to 300 million if they're truly <laughs> yeah. new rather than expanding. So I think exactly. some research went be, be, behind that. So that's going to drive in the future uh, many more acres of oil seeds in, in the U.S. So we're going to have acreage battles probably every year. And that's what we're into big time this year. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, we are finally going to get a State of the Union address from President Biden on March 1. What should we expect? Well, it looks like the uh, early uh, talks with the White House that I've had, it could be a pivot uh, on COVID that he could be signaling that at a date he may announce that he will join uh, countries like the United Kingdom, where Boris Johnson uh, as basically saying we've got to live with COVID. So uh, he'll get into the very sensitive areas of the mask mandates, uh, uh, vaccines, et cetera. Interestingly so, the trucker uh, forum that we saw in Canada uh, is moving to the United States, and that should be here by the March 1 State of the Union address. They're already around the nation's capital putting up that fence again, Chip. And some yeah. Republicans are saying it's just a reminder of the January 6th uh, you know, you know, crisis here at the nation's capital. So we, we've got some uh, some other events going on, but uh, Biden's going to have to discuss whether or not he does it separately in a, in a, a speech to the nation before March 1, but he's going to have to lay out a number of his visions geopolitically, uh, his COVID policy. Hopefully he'll detail his trade policy because we don't really yeah. know it yet. We don't know it yet. Right. But but uh, that was one of the topics that I wanted to bring up with you, Jim. Uh, Trade is becoming a topic of conversation more regarding the Biden administration than it has been for the last year. Yes. And this Friday, USDA Secretary Vilsack is going to be on stage at the, uh, you you know, uh, uh, virtually with U.S. Trade Rep. Catherine Tai on trade policy. Now, you would think with the Ag Secretary and the U.S. Trade Rep, maybe we'll get some more specifics relative to where they're going on trade policy, relative to the uh, China Phase 1 agreement, any potential new trade agreements, uh, whether or not the Biden administration is going to call for the reauthorization of what we call TPA, Trade Promotion Authority, or Fast Track, because it's it's ended right now. It has to be reauthorized. And TPA is just allows any new trade agreement in Congress to be voted up or down without any amendments. Right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to switch gears rather abruptly again and so that we can keep moving along. Supreme Court and Proposition 12 out of California. Uh, 
what's the status? Where are we headed with this? If the reports I'm getting are correct, uh, we could know or should know by this Friday. That's apparently the last date at which the Supreme Court can accept petitions uh, for their uh, action yet this year, Chip. So we could know that would mean uh, early next week that would be officially announced whether or not the Supreme Court accepted or rejected the petition to review the Proposition 12 issue uh, by Farm Bureau and the National Pork Producers uh, uh, Council. Let's hope that's the case because Again, this week, we had a Wall Street Journal report today, Carl Icahn, the billionaire, has taken on McDonald's relative to their treatment of, uh, of, of uh, uh, hogs. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. It's just, and I'll tell you, I was out in California, and I was surprised they even served bacon. You know, it was good bacon, by the way. <laughs> but this is just, it just adds to the, frustration in the U.S. farm sector of how a state like California can dictate interstate commerce. And and that's really should be the key to the Supreme Court hopefully taking up this case. It's very important, Chip, because if they don't accept it, the negative on this is it will give uh, opponents of U.S. agriculture uh, the the template, if you will, to attack us further, uh, that they'll use a system similar to what California is doing relative to Proposition 12. So that would only be the beginning. Uh, but if the Supreme Court accepts it and eventually rules it's unconstitutional, interstate commerce concerns, et cetera, that would be a very important decision as well. Yeah. So it, it's, it, uh, it's a biggie. Yes, absolutely. No question. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier the inflation that we're looking at uh, in the U.S. and in U.S. agriculture. It may be, it may be even double the rate that we're seeing outside of agriculture. And Secretary Vilsack has uh, has did he make it an official announcement that he is asking the Department of Justice to investigate the rise in inputs? Yes, and he said it in an interview with Bloomberg when he was in Dubai last uh, earlier this week or last week. Uh, but it didn't take long because the uh, the Department of Justice announced they were investigating uh, seed companies, uh, other input companies. Uh, uh, this thing is is gathering steam here, Chip. But boy, to to uh, you know, Vilsack said in the Bloomberg interview, any company who's using uh, what's going on in the world right now, COVID and uh, supply uh, jams, uh, uh, you know, shame on them. But yep. they're feeling the heat uh, from all Americans on what gasoline prices, average gas price was a little over 350 this morning. Uh, he, uh, Vilsack keeps pointing to the meat processors for, for the major reason for the meat price uh, rises when they've had the same structure for 20 years. Uh, that tells me they're feeling the heat. And USDA on Friday will, uh, will uh, update their food price forecast. And trust me, it's going up. And as far as uh, agriculture inflation, I, I made 
15 speeches in five weeks throughout this great country. And the rural sector clearly has told me it's not seven and a half percent increase in, in, in inflation. Right. It's it's into the double digits. That makes sense to me because it costs it, it takes uh, more money to get those products into the Midwest. So we haven't heard the end of inflation. No, no, we absolutely have not heard the end of the inflationary pressures. Uh, Jim, talk to me about the RFS very quickly. Um, what's the status? Where do we go next with it? Well, we're waiting for the Environmental Protection Agency to put out their formal uh, rule either in May, I kind of uh, this year, I always like to say this year relative to EPA or June. Uh, so we can, they have proposed some things. And interestingly, in the call for public comments, Chip, they ask about food versus fuel relative to renewable yeah. diesel. So I think that's very, very intriguing. Bottom line on the RFS, the authorization from Congress ends at the end of 2022. That doesn't mean the RFS is going to go away. It means that Congress with the executive branch is going to have to come up with a reset, if you will, the RFS, because it's been based on gasoline consumed. And yeah. uh, with the rise of the uh, electric vehicles, I think we're at four to four and a half percent of all purchases of, of automobiles, not much, but it's rising. Uh, that's going to have to be rejiggered, if you will. I think that's going to be the case, but uh, that's going to be a fierce debate in Congress because of the opponents and proponents of biofuels. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about Congress because we are just nine months away from the midterm elections. It is widely anticipated the GOP is going to take the majority in the House. Uh, is, is that momentum still in place for the GOP? Absolutely. And I think it's growing. Again, wherever I go, not just farm country, uh, people are fed up. Now, I come from Virginia now. I've been in a Virginia citizen since uh, the mid-70s. And uh, we have a new governor, uh, Glenn Youngkin, who, who uh, Biden won our state by 10 points. And uh, Youngkin won that because he went on the educational uh, issues and the uh, all the other aspects that were getting both uh, Republicans and Democrats uh, upset in, in in my state of Virginia. I think the it's going to be the year of the parents that they're going to fight back on this one. Uh, I think it's going to be a wave election, definitely in the House. Uh, the, okay. the White House knows this; they won't announce this publicly. That's why they're trying to move so fast. Uh, and so aggressively on their agenda because they know they're going to lose at least one chamber, the House, and maybe even the Senate. Uh, right. Uh, you know, David Wasserman, Cook Political Report, uh, is, project is predicting a net gain for Republicans in the House of 10 to 30 seats. I think he could be too low there based on, on my observations. On the Senate, he thinks the Republicans will regain control 52 to 48. Now, that's still very close. But on the House side, we would see significant changes. And this is why, Chip, on a farm bill, if you're a Republican yeah. on a House Ag Committee, you're not want to go too far on a new farm bill thinking that you're going to be in control. In right. Right. That's exactly where I wanted to go next in the conversation. Um, but just a reminder to everybody, we've got just a couple of minutes left. If you have a question, there is a chat bubble down at the bottom of your page. 
just move your cursor around that chat bubble will come up and uh, then a dialogue box will come up at the bottom right of the screen where you can type in your question or your comment. Jim, with all the payments that we had under the Trump administration, with all the stimulus payments that we had under the Biden administration, with, with, with everything that has reverted back to ad hoc on farm payments, how much of an impact is that going to have on farm bill? It will, because there's a lot of high anxiety, legitimate concern about the baseline. I don't want to get yeah. too wonky on you, but all those payments, the Trump-China uh, war payments and the COVID payments from both Trump and Biden, they're they're not part of the what we call the Farm Bill budget baseline. So, uh, And we're going to get into an environment here, especially if we get into a growth recession or a world recession, depending on this how this Russian uh, incident goes or unfolds. Uh, it could be a big battle into what, how much we have to spend, or how less we have to spend for, for you know, for the farm bill. That's why it, there has to be a considered debate on on that uh, 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 on the farm bill safety net, uh, because a number of commodities thinks that it needs to be revised to be more effective. So we need hearings to look back. At the, at the current farm bill, what's worked and what hasn't worked. And then right. there's a push chip for a permanent ag disaster program. That could be quite costly. And it's got a number of crop insurance personnel nervous because uh, remember when when they uh, former Democratic Majority Leader Tom Daschle, Democrat from South Dakota, yep. worked out an increase in the incentive for farmers to buy up crop insurance, higher percentage, in return for no longer asking for ad hoc disaster. We've had a WIP plus 2018, 2019, 2020, and 2021. So that issue is going to be another important issue in the Farm Bill debate. Yep, no doubt about it. And with that, Jim, we are out of time. Keep watching for those signals. 